Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Morning Footy. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, Allie Trost-Martin here with some headlines today. Charlie, I am obsessed with your t-shirt. I know I told you this earlier when you walked in this morning, but the the Instagram ads got you for this one? <laughs> yeah. The algorithm knows yeah, you, they bro. Know. Phenomenal and Thierry Henry are the two, two of my favorite players, the original Ronaldo and just the way they play the game, I tried to to be them. So uh, when I saw this shirt come up, I was like, I gotta get it. I gotta see what the material is like. It's all right. Is he, is he wearing a Barcelona shirt or Real Madrid shirt? I can't tell. This Ooh. is this is when it he was like in a Barca Kappa shirt. Yes, this is Barca. Barca. Ah, it's a Kappa bar. Oof. Remember when he, he there was videos of him just dribbling ten players? Yeah. When he was at Barca, this this was that guy. What was the best Ronaldo? Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The best I saw him was the 98 World Cup up until the final. That to me was when he was prime, electric, scintillating, and just whatever happened in that final, I don't know if we'll ever truly know, but he, he just wasn't himself and Zidane w- with two headers. Was he, was he already a Barca or, or a PSV at the time? He was probably already a Barca by the 98 final, I imagine. I think he was at Barca at that, at that point. And then he did his knee at Inter the two years later. Right. Crazy. I, did I, I think I might have already mentioned this. On the way back from Qatar, on the plane, they had the World Cup Finals in full. And I watched the 98 World Cup Final. Man, he was... If you showed one person... If you showed somebody who had never seen mm. soccer in their life before, and you tell me, try to find the best player on the pitch, the best two... They would say Zidane, and Ronaldo would be their last choice. He was that bad in that final. Wow. It was the whole controversy of whether, like, he had food poisoning or whether he was food poisoned. Or or he was out partying. Or out partying the the night before. Which is the common thought. (laughs) The flu game. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. We talk about the flu game with Jordan because he did well in that one. Yeah. We ain't talking about Ronaldo. No. (laughs) Was Maradona at the airport when you landed? (laughs) Why would Maradona be at the airport? What? 
I don't, what's the reference? <laughs> no, remember when you went to the game with Maradona and oh, yeah. he no, blew you a kiss? Yeah, he was not at the airport when I landed. Okay. <laughs> Maradona was uh, dead. I was also, I'm a, I was like, yeah. no, I didn't I got say. uncomfortable for a second. Yeah. He had passed away. <laughs> I was like, hey, rest point. in peace. Yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway, check. Great t-shirt. You also dropped a scintillating on, uh, in the first, like, two minutes of this show. Phenomenal so. jacket, by the way. Thank you. Really, you know, just needed to wake myself up a I little bit it. on it. Wake Tuesdays are hard. You know, Mondays are hard, but, like, no one talks about how hard Tuesdays are, so I needed a little, <laughs> little pick-me-up. So we went with the orange. But that's not, like, Dutch orange. It's kind, it's, it's kind of fluorescent. Yeah, it's kind of like even, highlighter orange. I was going to say, it's like not even registered I don't know. on camera. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, a block of what's color. What's going on? <laughs> Yikes. Um, all right, should we get to uh, the, big, the big match of the day? Uh, the United States will take on Oman in their second friendly of this international break. That game is tonight at 8.30 p.m. on TNT. They're coming off the 3-0 win against Uzbekistan over the weekend, uh, Charlie Davies, yesterday on the show, you said that that win, that game, despite it being a, a shutout and a 3-0 win, you said you felt uninspired by mm -hmm. that performance. So let's take a look at the way they lined up for that match against Uzbekistan. We'll put up the screen here for that starting 11. And when you look at this, what are some of the changes that you are hoping you're going to see tonight against Oman. And I'm, I'm not basing these changes off of performance. I just think a, a player like Tim Ream, this is a time where you, you, you take a rest. You, you going back overseas, you're heavily relied on for your club team. This is, you know, you're, you're up there in age. This is a time where you, you don't start. And so I, I would think you, that's one player that comes off. Ethan Horvath has already been tipped to start in, in this next match. So I think Mark McKenzie deserves a look. Absolutely. Let's see where he is in, in his progress. How, how much has he improved? Um, and then Malik Tillman. I want to see him back in an attacking central role to see where he is. He, he earned the penalty in that 1v1 situation. I think it's begging for two sixes or two deeper midfielders in a 10. That's what we saw at Nations League, and it worked so well. And I know Gio Reyna is a, is a, a big reason for that shift and why it works with Gio Reyna there. And if he's not there, maybe you, you, you experiment, try Luca De La Torre. He had some good moments in, in the first half before he was uh, had to, to leave the pitch with, with an injury. But ultimately, I want to see someone who's a little bit more dynamic and, and attack-minded, and that would be Malik Tillman coming out of the Bayern Munich Academy. It feels like he went to Scotland to develop physically. He did that. Now he's back at PSV to, to get more chances. The league is very open. It's more, it tends to be a league to uh, benefit attack-minded players because of the space, because of a lot of the 1v1 duels. So I, I feel like Malik Tillman would be in a good position mm -hmm. to see you know, what he can do with this attacking trio. And it'd be nice to see Balogun get a little bit more service than he got in mm. the first half of the last match. So an attack-minded, uh, you know, or at least a bit more creative and dynamic mm -hmm. midfielder would be huge for us to just get to see a little bit more of, uh, of Balogun. Is, is there a player that you would want to see? I have a hunch that Pepe's going to start over Balogun. Balogun, from the outset, from the first game, Yeah. We knew that he was only going to get 45 minutes. That was already predetermined by Berhalter. And I think that might speak to how, he, how much football he's got under his belt to go out and give us a good 60, 70 minutes, maybe just because he hasn't had full team training between Arsenal and the move to Monaco. Um, and Pepe scored 
at, towards the end of the game, but he, he scored, he came on, um, and I know we're super hyped on Balogun because he's a dual national, and we ended up getting Balogun, you know, everyone's been he's, super he's, excited he's about guy. that. He's, he's your guy, but... Why? I, why? Why? Why is he just because he's English and he's no? There's something yeah. Yeah, it has nothing to, do with it it. nothing to do with it. No, I get it, but it's like because of his quality. Because that's his, why he's there. And his is, is Pepe yeah. starting at PSV? Is he getting a lot of playing time? Right. But, no. But on the national team, is different. And Pepe showed up. Pepe obviously sees Balogun, or not even sees Balogun is Pepe's competition. Mm -hmm. And in the last game, he showed that. Hey, look, I can come on, score. Balogun had an opportunity that he didn't put in the back of the net with the header that hit the post. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just wondering, wondering where Berhalter's head at. It's like, hey, let me in a friendly. This guy started last game. Let me I give another the other nine. I confidence because I the think position. there was so much hype when we got Balogun and he made the choice to come to the United States. And there, I mean, U.S. soccer fans lost their, their minds thinking, this is the number nine. This is a guy that we have wanted. And I think that there's a certain level of pressure that he's probably feeling to deliver. And I feel like in these friendlies, it's a great opportunity for him to score some goals, to, to get that kind of confidence and kind of take ownership of that role. Because Pepe scored, as you mentioned, Nico. He's, there is a, such a thing as healthy competition, but I think that for Balogun, it's an opportunity for him to take this role and just own it and say, no, this is this is mine. It's also his first match under Burhalter. Let him get a chance to feel out, you know, and I guess maybe PJ Callahan's, uh, you know, systems and tactics were basically just, you know, handed down or very similar to what Burhalter would do. Okay, let him, but you know what I mean. They were they were in the ilk of of, uh, of Burhalter. But let this dude get a chance to sort of feel out oh, what it's he, like to play he, under this guy. Where yeah, Pepe has in the past. The Nations what League. I will say is Pepe scored in the Nations League. That doesn't change anything. You you go with your nine. You go with your best yeah. player. Now that doesn't mean. He doesn't get switched if he doesn't deliver, or you, you don't Listen, use I, Pepe as competition. But at the end of the day, you're looking at these two players. Pe Pepe is number two to Balogun. For sure. And if this game he had points, one friendly against Uzbekistan. You don't swap him out. You get Bel Balogun health, uh, fit and healthy because sure. he's been in, in, in training with the academy or by himself. Of course, he's not going to be able to go 90 minutes. So 45 is, was a good run. You expect him to go again at least 45. Mm. You're building him up because you want him to get his club football set for all national team players to be successful with the national mm -hmm. team. In most cases, you have to have your national, your club situation yeah. all right and sorted. And for a Balogun, he just moved to Monaco. He just and Ben Yedder's there, there as well. So he's got to get up to speed, get up to match fitness, and then that sharpness will come. And so for I'm sure, not, and look, Pepe, I, I just want to say, if you, we, Pepe is doing everything that's being asked of him. When you get your opportunities, get the ball in the back of the net. He is proving that he really is that number two, if not 1A, or if we're going to call it competition. Previously, you said Pepe, uh, Balogun is competition for Pepe. I think it's the other way around. I think Pepe is competition for Balogun. Pepe is proving he, need, he can continue to be that. Mm person that can put pressure on, on Balogun to hurry up Balogun, make him get healthy, make him get sharp again, make him get back in that in the form we saw during Nations League. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think in one goal against Uzbekistan in the second half is enough for me to go, all right, now you're the number one. Uh, if, I, I don't think today's a day to decide who's number one, who's number two. If this game was for points, Balogun will be starting today, without a doubt in my mind. But because it's Oman, I think Burp Halter can take some liberties to try things out, change things up again, and 
I don't know. I, I feel like today could be a game for Pepe to start, which doesn't mean that he's, good, he's the out-and-out out number one. I, again, if it was for points, Balogun would be starting. The only thing that I, that I would say to that is these are all meaningful games because there is no qualifying. So every friendly from here on out to the World Cup yeah. is important. So you right. have to go with your best players. I would say you have to the, push the your Nations League quarterfinals is going to be very important. That's when we're going to see the best version of the U.S. The, or Hopefully. The, the ideal, the most ideal of love. But every friendly has a purpose. For sure. And, and Uzbekistan and Oman are not the most competitive countries, but you can see after Uzbekistan, they do play hard. And mm -hmm. they do make it tough with the, the style of play and... When you look at the U.S. men's national team, Balogun, Pulisic, Weah, right now when they're healthy, you play them. Mm -hmm. you, want, you want that chemistry. You want that to continue to develop and the ideas. And so you can play with your eyes closed, essentially, because those are the re relationships that are, are so important to this team. Wow. Getting the only way I would counter that is maybe, maybe Pepe does get a chance to start because he's not starting for his club. It gives him an opportunity to, so to, so to speak, put him in the shop window, show his uh, club coach, hey, you know, look at this player, look how well he can do. That might be the only reason why I would think he would get at the start. At 7.30, we're going to be waiting for lineups to drop to see who was right. Yeah. I know, I know. I know. Okay. Just <laughs> excited for the banter tomorrow. Uh, USA taking on Oman, 8.30 p.m. tonight on TNT at Allianz Field in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, yesterday, we had some wonderful news. The birth of young Lorenzo Francis Nastri, our producer, wow. Mike Nastri. Look at this beautiful baby. Beautiful baby boy, born at 8.24 a.m. during morning footy, yes. by the way. Uh, seven pounds, six ounces, 20 inches long. What a handsome wow. little man. Is he baby Enzo or is he baby We'll have Zoe? to find out. He... I don't know. I mean, I the full, full name is what? Lorenzo Francis Alexis Nastri? It's a beautiful name. <laughs> it is. Put it, all it really is. Nice Just one. Close. No, sending, sending big love to the Nastri family this morning. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. Ali Trost-Martin will be back with some headlines on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Yes. We do have some headlines. Now, Lionel Messi, he and Argentina take on Bolivia in World Cup qualifying tonight, and the Inter-Miami star remains a question mark after sitting out a full training with the World Cup champs yesterday. He left Argentina's 1-0 win against Ecuador before the final whistle, but insisted it was fatigue, not injury, that led to his uncharacteristic substitution. Don't play! <laughs> and in English Premier League news, Everton, off to a rough start in the season, could soon have new ownership to help their quest of avoiding relegation. According to multiple reports, 777 Partners out of Miami is closing in on a deal to buy the London-based club. Everton had been in negotiations with MSP Sports Capital in New York, but those have stalled opening the door for 777 Partners, which also owns stakes in Sevilla, Eartha Berlin, and Standard Liège. In managerial news, Lyon has fired manager Laurent Blanc after less than a year in the role as the club currently sits in last place in Ligue 1 with just one point from four matches. Blanc replaced Peter Bosch as Lyon manager in October 2022, guiding the club to a seventh place finish last season. Gennaro Gattuso and Julian Lopetegui have been identified as candidates to replace Blanc. And in Serie A news, Juventus is facing a lawsuit from former captain Leonardo Bonucci, who is suing for their treatment of him prior to leaving the Bianconeri this summer. 
Benucci, who is kept from training with the first team in his final weeks before leaving via transfer to Union Berlin, is seeking a, quote, request for compensation for damages due to the alleged lack of adequate training and preparation conditions, which Benucci is claiming led to him suffering professional and image damage. In other Juventus-related news, Paul Pogba has tested positive for testosterone, an infraction that could lead to a lengthy suspension for the French midfielder. He has since been provisionally suspended by Italy's National Anti-Doping Tribunal uh, pending a trial and testing of a backup B sample. Pogba has been limited to two substitutes appearances with Juventus after returning from injury. If he is found guilty of doping, he could face a suspension of between two and four years. Uh, Alexis Pogba has spent most of this past year injured. He's also been in these weird situations where allegedly, you know, friends and family kind of trying to throw him under the bus. Like, do you feel sympathy in the situation? What are your kind of thoughts on what's come out? I do. I feel I feel bad for Pogba. He's been uh, a scapegoat. Uh, when he, you know, uh, when he moved to England, people said he was a. Remember, he was like his highlights where he was like a Vine star. That he wasn't as good as the number, the transfer number they put they placed on him. And you know, this guy's gone out. Why? Because he dances. He he has you know uh, stylish haircuts. He he stands out amongst the crowd. I'm not I'm not a fan of of chastising that. In fact, I think the game needs more of that. So I'm a big fan of his. But it seems. It seems as though is that a lot of this is kind of caught up to him. You know, is his family is after, was everything is alleged. His family was against him. His own there's brother. A pol- there's a police trial. His his brother got arrested yeah. for, in that blackmail case, trying to extort him for about 11 million pounds. He went to jail and he and then he's out. It's mm-hmm. almost not alleged. There is a pending trial between an extortion case of between his brother and and him, which is. There's a crazy stuff to deal with. There's a crazy story of like them trying to use. Uh, I'm gonna use the term voodoo because I don't know a different yeah, one. Black where, magic. Oh yeah, black Mar- magic. They call it Maribu. Okay. Well, they buried a they buried a hyena supposedly near the stadium near Old Trafford, and he really hasn't been the same since he's been injured. A lot of people are saying he hasn't been the same since then. If you if you believe in that, maybe that has something to do with it. I just feel bad for the guy. And you know, if he did test positive for uh, doping, it's not so that he can you know win Champions League or or do something extraordinary. It's to get back on the pitch. And while I don't agree with doping, it's a shame that someone's just simply trying to get healthy enough to play the game they love again. And then something like this happens. Maybe he went too far to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to put that on him. I, I'm not a professional athlete, so I don't know what that feeling must be like. But it's it's got to be. It's a shame. Think, I, it just feels like a, a sad story that keeps getting sad. Think about winning the World Cup in in, in 2018, and where he was mm-hmm. in terms of his performance and going into it. Everyone's is questioning his style and his haircuts, and yeah. he wins it, balls out, balls. and then looks incredible. The drop from there. So, so what happens next? I mean, it, it's if if he's found guilty of this, it's it could be a is it a two year, two, two to four, two to four. four. So, and then is that is that career over? I mean, he's are only you, thirty. I, he's like, only is thirty. Is there room for him to? It's, it's Come over back? in Europe. It's over in Europe, sure. For, for a top, Certain parts for a of top, Europe, top, top flight. Club, yeah. It's over. Mind you. If, if this is the case. Maradona in Italy was banned for a season after testing positive for cocaine, and he came back and he stayed in Europe. Maradona's Maradona, and it was a different time in the sure. early 90s versus Pogba now. But he just hasn't been able to get healthy. We never saw that best version of Paul Pogba that you would arguably say, was before his potential prime, right? 
at that 2018 World Cup. It's it's crazy how Can much. Can we talk about when he was his first run uh, run out with uh, Juventus? Him and yeah. Dybala, that was. No, it wasn't him not and Dybala. Dybala. It was, um, Davis, Pirlo was on that team. Pirlo was on that team? Yeah. God, I forget how, old, how long ago this guy's been playing. He's only 30 years old. Yeah. Um, he I might mean, have coincided with, I don't know, I don't think so. I think Dybala was a Palermo. But For some reason, I pictured them playing together. They, they it was a Champions League final team in 2015 against Barcelona. It was him, Pirlo, Davis, They were electric. Marquisio. He was electric in the midfield. And he they, showed you, he played with that. He, and it's, it's weird to talk about him. He was only 30, but he played with electricity, a grace. He played with a swagger you very rarely see. It's just that type of player is a player that I love. That's a player that I fell in love with that made me fall in love with this sport. It's the, play, it's the type of player we talk about. You're talking about Ronaldo, someone else who played with flair. Like That stuff to me is so important that it's, it's such a shame to be put in this position now where he's getting caught for doping in a game where he was an unused sub. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing seems pretty sad. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. When we return, we are looking ahead to tonight's CONCACAF Nations League matches. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, uh, CONCACAF Nations League action today. We've got some matches that you can watch right here on the Galato Network tonight. League A, Group B, you will see Jamaica face Haiti at 8.05 p.m. Eastern. And then at 10.10 p.m., you can watch Honduras taking on Grenada right here on the Galazzo Network. All these matches you can watch on Paramount+. Plus. All right, well, we have some big teams in action today. Honduras coming off yep. that 1-0 loss to actually, Jamaica. Honduras got really lucky that everybody else tied. So there's less there's of, room yeah, here. of a distance to make up. They, I, I imagine that they're going to be... Uh, Grenada. Okay. If Honduras doesn't get second in this group, it would be a it would be big Grenada. failure for Reinaldo Rueda. You see him second on the right, only right two, there. Because only two teams advance right. out of it's, this. It's a new, it's a new manager um, trying to change the philosophy of the Honduran national team, and they are by far in ranking in quality from the players that they have. I think there would be a lot of questions asked about Reinaldo How? Rueda. I know it's very difficult to imprint your style and just one window after everything's been going wrong for so long, but now is not the time to slip up. How big of a disaster would it be for Honduras? If they don't make if the quarterfinals. Quarter quarter uh, oh, this is... Uh, I think they've already kind of been close to rock bottom in these last couple of uh, cycles. In this last cycle, I would say. But this would be rock, rock bottom. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's no progress off of the, not even a new manager can help you guide your way out of a crisis. Honduras, after just thinking, we've talked about this before, it's just sad because you think of how much of a important player in the region they were, and it's a group of essentially Caribbean teams that don't have that strong of a standing in the soccer world. Yeah. Haiti is the biggest challenger considering the, the Gold Cup run that they had, but you gotta get out of this group. And I'm, I'm wondering if Honduras even plays Haiti. They play Cuba. They play Cuba twice. If you don't beat Grenada and play Cuba I was twice, say, say something. With, with say all, something about Cuba. With, with, with all due respect, you don't. You don't even deserve to be in. In. I mean, I'm looking at players like Joseph uh, Rosales, who plays for Minnesota United. Mm -hmm. Players like that, you hope. For would Cuba. be able to, yeah. no, no, for for Honduras. Oh, you would hope they would be able to step up, do something. You know, give me something. I just remember the Honduras of old were like impossible to beat. Oh, and now At, in Honduras, in, in Honduras, Pavon, Suazo. Uh, I mean, quality players. It, uh, even 
Tyson, Roger Espinosa, Myron Figueroa. They had there were a lot of European guys. They had experience. They knew what it was like to represent La H. And there, there was, was an intensity when they played wearing that kit. And you're not seeing it, especially their last match. You just Humble. don't see this. You know, you just, it's just it's it's a shame. You said it, you said it best. It's just a shame because this is a very a passionate footballing country yeah, definitely. that have always kind of played a little bit of the punched above their weight. And now they're not even swinging. And, and I think that's the idea with Reynaldo Rueda to bring him back because Reynaldo Rueda took them to a World Cup and now he's he's got people with experience and that knows what it's like to play on the national team, like David Suazo, who is a prolific goal scorer for the Honduran national team by his side. So maybe the, the, the players see that there's a sense of respect instilled within the national team. Um, today's today's a, a, a big day. We've seen a couple of these nations where uh, e economically it's difficult for them to invest in their mm -hmm. football. And we've seen because of the way that their country is either uh, not doing so well geopolitically, their national teams suffer a little bit. El Salvador, for example, has been, El Salvador had a moment maybe like two gold cups ago where they kind of bop their head above the surface and are like, hey, we're here to play. And then they just lost again against Trinidad and Tobago, which puts them out of any contention to make Copa America 2024. Fired Hugo Perez, their, their national team coach. Yeah, and it's so important to these countries. What about Haiti, who's facing Jamaica tonight? Haiti's one of these teams where, as you mentioned, all the, the off-the-field problems and, and just mm. the, the issues with funding. How, but they've got talented players. There's some talented players that have come out of of Haiti. I think Can it will they... be difficult to beat Jamaica. Jamaica's been very good. They've and really they're gonna... come together well. And they're going to, I mean, they're likely going to win this group. I, and you would it... be shocked if it was anyone And, and if you're Honduras, I feel like you just want Jamaica to win out at this point. Keep all the opposition suppressed right. as much as you can. <laughs> be so my opponents can... so that I can Correct. slide up. Yeah. Correct. Like, is there any world where you think Haiti can get a draw against Jamaica? Yeah. In Jamaica? Yes, it's, Haiti have some some. They do have talent. Some, some talent. I mean, they, if they can just be organized in the back and and not concede and frustrate Jamaica, yes, they 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 have the capability to to give Jamaica problems. Yeah. Uh, Haiti, Haiti, which I didn't, they need to get as many points as possible also at this point. Yeah, both of those matches tonight on the Galazzo Network. Jamaica face Haiti at 8.05 p.m. Eastern, Honduras, Grenada at 10.10. We are going to take a break. We are going to chat some CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers when we come back. Don't go anywhere. CONMEBOL eliminatorias. Yes. How'd I do? How'd I do, Mika? Fantastico. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Uh, yeah, we've got CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers happening today. All 10 teams in action. Here's a look at the current standings. Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, Colombia, all with three points. Ecuador has negative three points, and they were deducted points prior to qualifying. Nico, can you kind of explain why quickly? Yes, uh, Byron Castillo, who is... Uh, played on the Ecuador national team during the last World Cup qualifying uh, was, was there was an appeal by other national teams, including Chile, for example, um, because they found out that he was Colombian born. Ecuador disputed it that mm -hmm. he was not Colombian born. He was born in Tumaco, which is right on the border of Ecuador, allegedly right between Ecuador and Colombia. Um, and FIFA, and not only that, the Court of Arbitration of Sport um, deemed that he uh, 
was Colombian and not Ecuadorian. And this all happened previous to Qatar 2022. And there was this whole like controversy is FIFA going to pull Ecuador from the World Cup? And what they ended up doing is giving so in, them so in neg- short, negative papers. three points. We can get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> I think falsifying paperwork. I just think it's incorrect paperwork. He has a passport for Ecuador. Yeah, he plays on the national team he, of Ecuador. Yeah, Ecuador. He, he believed, pays taxes in Ecuador. Yeah. He carries himself. He is an Ecuadorian mm-hmm. citizen. Right. But allegedly, he was born in Colombia. But they instituted the point deduction for this for this cycle, particular correct. cycle. I feel bad because in Latin America, my grandmother was born on the border between Uruguay and Brazil. The hospital happened to be in Brazil, so it took a long time for her to get the oh, paperwork to shift it back to Uruguay. She's Uruguayan, <sighs> so I understand these situations. It's very difficult, but if you're Ecuadorian, you're Ecuadorian. So essentially, it doesn't matter if you're Chile, on the border. Chile, and I believe Peru, perhaps they're the ones that filed a complaint to Comable, or rather to FIFA. They figured out that Byron Castillo was not born in Ecuador. Ecuador had made the World Cup in Chile and Peru didn't. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. Drama. Um, I love it. All right. Let's chat about Uruguay. Yeah. Okay. One of the teams with three points. uh, They're coming off a 3-1 win over Chile. Looked really, really good under Marcelo Bielsa. What did you see from this Uruguay team with him in charge? Because that was his, his first match on the touchline. Yeah, they, they were very dynamic and, and Bielsa's teams are very characteristic of that of that high intensity movement constantly, but it's crazy because again, Bielsa only had one training session with his national team, but Bielsa had come in, brashly said that old generation that was so great for Uruguay, still parts of that 2011 Copa America winning squad, the, the squads that had deep World Cup runs, he said, all right, it's time to change everything. And he brought a bunch of, some new, but shifted the focus on the young players, the young up-and-coming, the Valverdes of the world, the Nico de la Cruz of the world, Pegistri, for example, Ugarte, for example. Um, they had uh, new fullbacks, uh, Piqueres, who played really well, who plays for Palmeiras in, in, in Brazil. They looked good um, for in their first game under Bielsa, who Bielsa takes no credit for. He said himself, I'm not taking credit for this win. He only, they only had one training session. And yeah. Bielsa's style is, I previously on this show, I said, I don't know how this works with a national team, because this style is very, very demanding. It's very difficult for teams. It took leads a while for them to really yeah. sort of get into the system. He, his training is kind of legendary, became legendary in England, because they thought it was cruel. It's, uh, he does something called murder ball. Did you ever do this when you were in training? Do you know what this is? I don't know. Where murder ball. Yeah, no, that's yeah, what they call Jack, it. Jack Harrison had it's said, called murder about ball. This. It's sometimes he does this before matches. The team that's starting will play 90 minutes. There are no throw in. There's no th- uh, as soon as the ball goes out, somebody throws another one in. It is nonstop for 90 straight minutes. There's no stoppages. There's no dead balls. There's no throw-ins. Nothing. It is constant running for 90 minutes before a game. And sometimes he'll do this at the end of training. Did you ever do anything like this when you were playing? No. How would you have reacted had you had to run nonstop for 90 minutes? And remember, this is Bielsa. This is constant pressing. You have three seconds to get the ball back after you lose possession. Constant pressing, high-intensity pressing before a game. I'm not sure. Was it before a game? The He's day, done the it day it, when Leeds. When, no, no. When Leeds was failing, they did it before a game. I'm telling you, he, he doesn't do it before every game. I, I, he doesn't do it before every game. From what I understood that they were, he was doing at the beginning of the season when Leeds was high flying, they were very much in fitness because it was this this training regimen that it was very high intensity. And not only it's the physical component of it, but Bielsa has come into previous national teams and restructured a lot of the way of thinking of, of 
developing talent as well. He took Chile to the first World Cup since 1998 in 2010. There was this big breach of non-qualification. And he, he really, the, the, um, the infrastructure in Chilean football, he changed it from the inside. He's a, he's a very brilliant mind, eh, Marcelo Bielsa. They call him, his nickname is El Loco, which in Spanish means crazy because he's crazy like that. He'll think in, in different ways. Um, and, and with the Uruguayan national team, he, he's looking to make that change. I, I brought I show and tell. I, just, I want to show you guys the full sequence of, of the first goal for Uruguay because okay. it was it was really good. This is Valverde? The, the reset. No, this is Nico de la Cruz, actually. So here, th that's the left winger trying to win the ball back. Darwin Nunez comes in, and I, what I really liked here is the reset. Darwin Nunez drops back to the center backs, and there's a nice little buildup. You see Ugarte in, in, in the center circle right now for um, the, the holding midfielder for PSG. They work it out wide. They bring it back left, and here's the change of rhythm. Ready? Tuck that touch. And this is the left back, by the way. And then the, the winger makes the inside run in the channel. And here the pass to Nunez. Oh! And the feed to Nico de la Cruz, the one-time finish. There's a there's a very deep understanding of, of the game, of the change of pace. And this is really, really contrary to how Uruguay played for 20-something years. Right. Which was Correct. low block. Sit back, defend, garra, you know, tough it four, out, four, entrenched. Two. Yeah, get, get back and then let Luis Suarez and Ensign Cavani work some magic if you finally get the ball up. That is a, the complete opposite of how they used to play. So yeah. who, who benefits the most from Bielsa Ball on that, on that side? Like, who are the players that are, are going to shine? <laughs> They're typically your system. winners. <laughs> yeah. I would say Pelistri is the one player who I've always thought deserves playing time, deserves more, because he at Manchester United, United he, he just rots on the bench, and, and he has shown, bench. I mean, look at the U.S. men's national team match when they played Uruguay, just gave you a little bit of what Polistri is capable yeah. of, but this is a top young player, and I think when he showcases himself with Uruguay, he could either break into the United squad or he gets his move. I'll say who benefits the most is you, Susanna, because uh, Darwin Nunez is going to play in a system that's not too dissimilar from what Klopp is doing, and that's going to help you yeah. <laughs> as a Liverpool fan. Every, everyone, it's I think, news. is going to benefit from Bielsa, the midfield Valverde. It's, this is going to be Valverde's team. Yeah. He's, he sets the tempo. You can't say everyone because uh, Luis Suarez wanted a call-up for this. <laughs> True. So and he doesn't benefit. They were missing Bentancur, who's injured. So crazy to think also probably one of their best midfielders not there, and they cooked Chile. Mm, it's going to be a fun team to watch. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, Marco Messina is going to join us on the other side. We are going to chat Italy and some Euro 2024 qualifiers when we come back.